HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Tunes. Hello, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm your host, Darren Bresnitz, and I'm so excited to welcome back our good friend, Chef Philip Spear, to the show. We chat about life, his love for running, and his work in the culinary community. Since we last chatted, he had shut down his beloved restaurant, Bonami, and opened the critically acclaimed Comidor, launched his own run club, and became a national advocate for mental health in the F&B space. On this episode, we talk about the importance of having your own clubhouse, focusing on appreciative culture and what he listens to when he's out for a 5k. If you want to listen to the playlist, there is a link in the episode description. And then we dig into the archives when Ricky Swift, Bianca and Molly Nugent, better known as the broken rock trio Bernadette swung into the shipping containers. They had freshly wrapped up their first ever tour in 2018, which was in support of their debut EP shadow paint. They join us for an in-studio live performance and for some delicious pizza. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network. the woven Six strands of your hair As a charm bracelet Round my wrist instead Under the pavement Go rest in the cracks as a remembrance of our faded past Waiting to find solace that spoon-fed The intrinsic shine of love's late lost too long Still cling to all you said. 
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I know I just saw you a few weeks ago in Austin, but it's always good to see your face. You as well. I'm excited to be back. It's been, been a few years. It's It's been a few years. I mean, the last time we had you on, we did it in person at Bonami. I still think about those plums roasty like all the time. And I'm just like, maybe I could fry them at home, but probably not because they won't turn out as well. Um and since then, that place is closed, and you've opened Commodore, uh, which opened in 2019. Um, and I know that we're going to talk a lot about the opening of the restaurant, but I want to talk a little bit about that transition of having a restaurant that everyone seemed to love um, and having to shut that down and open up a new spot. What do you remember that time? What do you remember about that transition? I mean, it was a – the transition was kind of a whirlwind. Um, I had already begun do- doing some consulting with the group that I joined to open Comedor. So I'd already begun working on some kitchen design and some some other projects. My business partner in Comedor now, William Ball and I, um, had also started the My Name is Joe Coffee trailer, which mm-hmm. was a trailer that um, you know, benefits, benef- a portion of our, our profits benefited the Southern Star, or sorry, benefited a um, Serenity Star, a rehab program here in Texas, which is a free um, rehabilitation program for drug and alcohol abuse. So we were doing some work there and we were working together a bit. The transition was fast, but to, to just kind of discuss the closing of Bonami, it's funny, you know, you say you still think about it. We think about it daily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, I mean, my daughter and I, who work, who we work together, <laughs> and we work together at Bonami as well, as well as others. I still live in that same neighborhood and the goal is really to create a neighborhood restaurant I just think we were a little ahead of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny to, to, to this day, uh, I guess six years later from opening, um, I have people stop me in the neighborhood and tell me it was their favorite restaurant. Um, uh, I, I believe it a hundred percent. I think about it. Yeah. 
the amount of people who tell me that though, I kind of add them up and I'm like, we should still be open y'all. Um, <laughs> but we're not. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's like, um, this is why you got to support your neighborhood restaurants. This is why you got to be a regular, um, and not just be like, uh, I ate there once and left and, and, uh, it's about community and, and support. Cause it's like, Hey, if all of you missed it and all of you came in, not even, let's just say once a month, yeah, you, you can still come back in once a month. Um, you, you know, you've, you and I've known each other for a long time. I've known you at a, at a ton of different restaurants and yeah. you are always opening spaces and thinking about new ideas. And what is the importance of opening up a new space? Like, does it allow you to, to redefine and recontextualize restaurant culture in the new spot? Does it allow you to get a little bit of a, a fresh start each time and, and say something new? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, when you think of a, a neighborhood, a community, a, a city, and you think of, you know, always bringing new life into that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's super important that we're out there kind of reinventing all the time. Um, and first and foremost, I just want to like express gratitude for the ability to do so. I mean, there, there are many people who, who don't get that opportunity. So yeah. being, being someone in this, in this profession and in this market who has been, you know, again, granted the opportunity to kind of reinvent a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously I take some, some of my own personal credit for it. Um, but there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of things that have to go the right way to make that happen. And in doing so in creating, um, creating new spaces in this market, in this community mm-hmm. is, is necessary for the vitality, for the long-term vitality of and sustainability of the community, because we need to reinvent and refresh what we're doing, not only to offer new, exciting experiences for, for the guests, for the diner, for ourselves, but to reinvent how we're doing it and the way we're treating each other, taking care of you know, our people. Yeah. And I and think, and ourselves. yeah, no, of course. And I think that in opening up a spot, I mean, look, the goal is to always have a spot that's, that runs and evolves and allows to shift. Um, but when you get to open a, a new spot, you get to bring in new tenets of the culture and conversation into it. And I know that when Commodore opened, um, you know, sobriety and mental health and wellness had not just been a big part of your life, but also had started to really, you know, become more part of the conversation in restaurant culture. Not, not as much as like what happened post pandemic, but like right. the tenants were starting. And Absolutely. so in opening that, um, especially from the beginning, did that allow you to not only like culture wise start to bring that in, but also then from a business point of view, because that stuff is not cheap, especially at a place where like margins are already raised, razor thin. And so, uh, you know, how much did you have to get customers to buy in and your business partners? Like how did all that work together from like the feel good nature of it, but then also like the P and L nature of it. Absolutely. And just, and you're right. You know, the the conversation was starting to cover the conversation was making some, was, was making some progress. The conversation had been started a couple of years previous, but even, even two years before that, when I was going in through the opening of Bonamy, um, we couldn't quite figure it out. I was ready for it. I was there for it. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had I had gone through my transition in my life. I had had a couple years of sobriety. I had, you know, figured it out, which obviously we still haven't figured it out. But sure. you know, and and it was like 
it was the way we wanted it's the way I wanted to run that restaurant as well and it it didn't work there it, we weren't we weren't ready enough um, I didn't have you, it does take a lot of buy-in it's not only buy-in from the people that you're bringing in um, but it's it's buy-in from your, your business partners and, and you made a really good point in, in asking that question how do you how do you work it into the business operation and that's that is what you have to do it's literally what you have to do you have to find a partner um, who is aligned that same vision which i did um you know when when i joined the group to um, create what is now comedor uh, they had already operated a bar that was already paying their um not only paying their their employees a really great wage they were already providing insurance for them and that was a much smaller group of people but it was there was no question if that's what we wanted to do for Comedor or not. Um, so we found a few ways to do it. We worked it again. We worked it into the P and L. We it was it was a line item that wasn't going to go away. It wasn't, mm-hmm. optional. it wasn't optional. It was just something we needed to do, um, and we made adjustments in other places to do that. Uh, it doesn't take customer buy-in, yes, with or without their knowing. Right? You can work it into your pricing structure. You can do what many restaurants are doing now and add anywhere from a 1% healthcare charge to 20% healthcare charge. I've seen everything across the board. Yeah. Um, we chose to do a little combination of the two. We did a three and a half percent wellness charge to pass on to our guest with, a, you know, obviously the option to remove that. However, we've also put our pricing as such that that is taking care of the pricing and we don't have to then have a discussion with our guest. Um, about because because many guests don't don't want to know right no so, they, they don't want that four percent health charge which was just a huge <laughs> like this came up with uh, alimento the other week in la where someone was you know the owner was just like i can't believe i have to defend this but like you you want it both ways you don't want higher price points in the in the uh, uh item but we need help and we all know this we're talking about like how people need support Right. Can you help kick in a little cash? It's got to be, yeah, it's got to, you, you've got to pick one or the other. Um, and, you know, we've also learned that by not, by doing a smaller percentage and then just raising our prices, we don't have to have that conversation. Um, and that, and that makes, that makes the dining experience so much better. Now we do have the advantage of being a very high end restaurant. And mm-hmm. so not every restaurant can do that. And, you know, the perceived value um between mm. our concept and other concepts um, and some other concepts is that that is that is on our minds as as consumers always so you know paying x amount for for uh, you know the, the PPA or the price per person average of our guest here because of the building we're in because of the experience we offer because of the ingredients we use because of the professionalism of our staff we get away with a higher PPA but uh, we, but we execute on that. And then there are, there are restaurants at the lower PPA who have the same needs, the same needs to take better care of their employees, to ensure their employees to pay a better wage. And it's harder. It's harder in those margins. So then you need to say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we're charging more. Yeah. Yeah. I, it gets tough when you start getting in that middle range and all of a sudden sandwiches and things like that start costing $23 and you go like, exactly. I'm just not. I know it's fresh baked bread and I know that you make all your meats and spreads and everything in the house, but I'm, I can't justify, I can't justify that. Um, Beyond the, 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 the dollars and cents of it all, the culture shift has been pretty interesting and you've been pretty open about that, you know, 
Bourdain passed away in 2018. You opened up this restaurant in 2019. And I think his passing had a lot to do with where people really started to pick apart and examine what does it all mean at the end of the day of, of a life in restaurants or a life in entertainment and things like that and what's it worth. And part of what I saw in, re- in reading about this was you changing the post-shift mentality to a pre-shift mentality, even going as far as saying you can't get a post-shift drink, you need to leave. I thought I think I read a couple of hours and you come back as a customer, which right. I get it because it's like you leave and you go home and like you just maybe sack out sometimes instead of like <laughs> you have the adrenaline of working and you're doing shots and you're drinking and it rolls and it rolls and it rolls. Yeah. Um, getting people though to say like you're going to wake up early instead of stay out late is a big shift. How do you yeah. convince people who maybe some of the reason why they got into cooking was the Bourdain restaurant decadence, high flying nature of it all to saying like, no, you're going to get up and like, you know, run or do yoga at sunrise. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course it's a choice. It's a personal choice. Uh, you know, we, we try to be encouraging. I do want to, you, you touched on one, one thing in a shift drink. Um, you know, part of, the ability to fund some of these other programs that we do, you know, it's, if we have 70 plus employees, yeah. uh, if you have anywhere from 10 to 30 employees, which is kind of the average of most small restaurants and you take in the calculation of what a shift drink costs you. And I'm talking costs. I'm not talking price. I'm talking actual hard costs of what it costs a restaurant. You are saving thousands of dollars a quarter by not providing that shift drink. And is you can take that money and parlay that parlay that into other a different reward system. Mm, I didn't even like, think about yeah, that. Right. It's a, yeah, win. Yeah. It's a win. I, I don't care who you are. That that shit costs money, right? Take that, take that uh, resource and parlay that into, you know, turn that into something. Uh, the reward system doesn't have to go away. I'm not trying to take away fun or reward yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. Make yeah, reward yeah. system different. We have a higher tattooer at our company party. We make run yeah. Singlets. We uh, we have season tickets to often F- Austin FC that we have eight of them that we offer our staff. We buy cookbooks every month for the staff. That is directly from that money we're saving from our seventy employees of getting shift drinks. Now I don't. I'm not a fun sucker, and I don't care how you have your fun. I really mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. Um, I, I can support that. I sell booze in my bar. I sell booze in my restaurant. Yeah. Um, however. I can tell you that when you walk out of a restaurant and you have had a beer, the chance of you, of you going across the street or down the road or wherever you are to yes. another bar are infinitely higher, right? Um, there's, no, there's no getting around that. They just are. And if you don't have that opportunity, then maybe you do go home. Maybe you, you drink some water. Maybe you eat something healthy instead of staying out till 2 or – you know, in your city till four. And <laughs> I, I'm in LA. It, it's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm also a father too. It's like a hard 12 for me Yeah, on, on, exactly. on a late night, on a late night. Yeah, exactly. And then you go for sure. And then, and then you inevitably eat shitty and then you sleep poorly and you wake up yes. and, and you eat crappy again because you're just wanting, it's either out of convenience or out of a craving of something greasy or fatty or whatever it might be, because that's what your body does. You crave sugar, you crave the alcohol, you, you crave it all. I mean, it's a, there's, there's, there's science behind this y'all. So I, uh, I wonder that if I wondered if you had 
we've, if, we, if that wasn't an option and maybe you go home and then maybe there's something to do in the morning, you might choose that because we are, mm. a, we are a profession and a culture of people who like to connect. And it is, you're right. Like part of the attraction for many of the restaurant professional, hospitality professional is kind of that lifestyle. That's why we, and you got to look at the majority of the people who are in this profession are from the ages of 20 to 28, right? Like, and that is, that is kind of where you are in your life. Yeah. So all kind of, it all goes hand in hand with you, but couldn't the profession last a lot longer if we weren't burning out so fast? Could you not see more 40, 45 year olds, 50 year olds, 60 year old best bar and restaurant and hospitality professionals because they didn't need to check out or because it wasn't rough on their bodies and rough and yeah. so hard on them yeah. and they were making healthy decisions. And even, even if that, I mean, I look at this profession as my career, something I want to do for the rest of my life. There's a lot of people who come into this this profession who are who are more transient and are looking to do something else with the rest of their lives. But if this could be a healthy, admirable, <laughs> good money making, <laughs> yeah, benefits profession, how much better would we be? How much more retention would you have in your staff? How much more consistent would your restaurant be? How much more would people like to come because that culture bleeds into your experience? And it's a full cycle thing. Um, and so creating this shift this post the, the shift to post shift culture for me was like create another opportunity for people to connect they don't have to come but make it because my excuse for so many years was this is all we have right yeah yeah if i, if yeah. I don't go to the bar at 12 30 i'm not doing anything it's all we have it's our only option can't go to the library at 12 a.m we can't go mm-hmm. to the grocery store we can't go to the movies we can't you know I, I would talk about all the things we couldn't do and that would validate and justify my behavior to go out late at night because i need to, my happy hour starts at midnight yours starts at five why don't i get to have the same things what right so well i shifted my happy hour to 10 a.m right? Or 6am or 7am or whatever it may be. Yeah. But we do our, our run club meets at 10am. And we do that specifically because people do work later in our, in our business. Oh, yeah. And you have a time, a little bit of time to sleep in, then you have time to come out. Uh, the traditionally, the job starts a little bit later, right? Your shift doesn't start. There's hardly a restaurant shift that starts at 9am unless you're on prep or baking uh, or work for a breakfast restaurant. The majority of restaurant shifts start a little bit later in the day. So yeah, here's a space. Here's the space. Join if you want. Um, and guess what? People really wanted to join. Uh, people wanted to come. People wanted to connect. People wanted to hang out. People wanted to make a healthy decision. Even if it was once every couple of weeks, it was something else to do. And now we have a core group of people who come three days a week. Um, and we add all sorts of other extra, extra runs, uh, yoga, except et cetera, uh, throughout the week. Because there's a demand for it. There's a demand to continue to connect in a way that's healthy. Um, and, you know, some people can go and connect at night and still be healthy. That's great. Um, but, you know, here in these spaces, um, it's just, it's, it's black, it's black and white. Like you're just, you're doing something in the sun outside in a way that is good for your body, good for your mind. Yeah. And it also, even if you don't go, you know that you could be going and maybe that keeps you in check. It's like, Oh, maybe I'll go tomorrow. And then eh, it's like, I'm tired. I didn't go, but I, at least I didn't go out or I, or I was healthier. Um, all right, let's take a quick musical break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about the start of run club um, and about what running means to you. And then also what you'd listen to 
on your runs. Get a little jogging playlist from you. We have a song from the archives here on Heritage Radio Network. Back to Snacky Tunes. We are with our friend Philip Spear, chef, co-owner, Commodore in Austin, also the founder of the Commodore Run Club. And, you know, one of the things that you talked about was not just creating space for people, but you have a space. You have a restaurant that has won a lot of accolades, a lot of respect, is a shining beacon of like what a restaurant strives to be in any sort of community. How much easier is it to shift the culture because you have the restaurant instead of, let's just say, setting up an organization or doing something that is just coming at it from, you know, a nonprofit point of view instead of having a clubhouse that you get to serve people and runs the business that people are attracted to as well? Man, you're nailing it with the questions because (laughs) I think about all of these things and I often have these discussions. Um, I, I think that it is important. It is important to me, and this is, you know, this could be a character defect as well, uh, because I've used I've, I've used this this validation piece often in my career, mm. and, mm-hmm. and I've allowed it. I've allowed it to to make to help to make some unhealthy decisions, but I do believe these decisions are, are healthy. Uh, but I do think it's important, not only for myself but for the community, to have that piece to say, look. 
this is a busy restaurant. This is a successful restaurant. This is mm-hmm. a relevant restaurant and I am operating it every day. I am here. Yes. Right? Yep. Yeah. And, and I do this. And Guess you what? do this. Yeah. So can you. Yeah. You know, so can you. And yeah, what better? Yeah, we have a, yeah, we have a, you know, three and a half million dollar clubhouse. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, and, and it's funny. We say that all the time. We're like the clubhouse, the clubhouse, the, the run clubhouse. Um, and doing yoga in this space. And the yoga is open to anybody in the community who wants to join it. Courtyard. Is it out there? In, in the courtyard oh. when it's when it's when it's not too hot. In, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but in the dining room we move the tables and we have oh, this yeah, big yeah. open space with the windows. Mm. And sometimes, sometimes we just open part of the window so you have the fresh air. Sometimes we have it all closed off. It's nice and crisp and cool uh, post run or however we however we do it. And that's again that's open to anyone in the community, anyone in the restaurant and, and hospitality profession, um, and lots of runners and other people join us as well. And, the idea is just to have people come into the clubhouse and do so. But I do think that piece is important. I think that piece is important. Um, it, that validation piece, it, it shows the, the viability. It shows the, the opportunity to continue to do this. Also, I have staff that engages in the programming, right? So right. as a advocate. Yes, as a restaurateur, as an operator, as a chef, um, as a leader, and you know, I, I, I believe I'm a leader in our, in our restaurant community, and I definitely am in my restaurant. Um, it's like, hey, I have I have three chefs right now who have never run more than a mile who are running with us two days a week, and they are their their lives are changing, their bodies are changing, family Amazing. meals. Are you know, I've seen a shift. Oh, right, right. I've yeah. seen a shift in the way we prepare a family meal. It's a little healthier. Much more water is being consumed. <laughs> <laughs> um, Less diet coke, more water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah. I, as right now, I have six people in my staff who are engaging super regularly, and as well as many others who engage with us. Sometimes I have people who have a little bit even a little bit different of a schedule than the 10 a.m. who come to uh, – we have p.m. runs now. And so they come to Ooh. some p.m. runs. Um, luckily, we have, our infrastructure has become big enough where we can have different people lead these runs, but it's the same, it's the same mission, the same value – values uh, and the same kind of, you know, driving force of, of why we do it. So it's, again, like if it's, if you work early and you get out at six o'clock, you can go for an 8 p.m. run. And if you go Ooh. for that 8 p.m. PM run, again, that might keep you, that might give you a healthier meal and a little more water and a little bit earlier to bed because you've, you're pooped. Um, it's really, it's really neat. Uh, but yeah, the, the piece the, that piece is important. I think it's really, I think it's really important. Uh, again, just to say, Hey, we, we can all do this. We're here doing it. And then other restaurants, other restaurant tours, yeah. managers, directors, chefs, whatever say, look, that is an operational restaurant that can do this. Why can't we do it? And I have seen across the country, uh, there's been a lot of communications with other restaurant um, operators who have done similar programs because they've looked at the success of us doing it and say that is possible, we can do it too, and it's happening, and that's happening across the country. And you also have opened your doors to outside organizations, you know, hosting Ben's Friend, um, which has a very sad and unfortunately sometimes too often starting point, but has really turned to an incredible organization. Can you talk a little bit about 
that organization, how you got involved, and why you wanted to be the host for the Austin chapter. For sure. Um, I've heard about Ben's friends. I heard of Ben's friends. Uh, they were a couple years in, maybe maybe just a year in. Um, I had had a little bit of sobriety, and I heard of this organization, that this nonprofit organization that was doing this uh, kind of just like a network or support um, for people in recovery who were restaurant professionals, but most of it was over in the east, southeast coast. It was born in Charleston and most of the cities that they had spread to were mm-hmm. around part of the country. And then I saw that my friend, uh, Chef Gabe Rucker, had a Portland chapter. The Portland mm. chapter, chapter opened up and I was like, oh, great, they're moving it. And it was both Gabriel and Gregory Gorday who were, and, and others, but those yeah. are the two. Those are the two people I knew who were involved. And I was like, "Well, these chefs are involved." A, that's yes. amazing. You know, Gregory Gorday has been a huge part of my recovery. Yeah, um, he's incredible. He is, and, and Gabe at this, has been too at this point. Gabe Rucker, Gabriel Rucker has, uh, but at that time, you know, it was. It, I was just like, "Well, I have to do this. I, I have to do this." Also, I emailed Ben's friends. Didn't realize how small of a team it was, and how you know they were just, just keep, kind of keeping it together and. I never got a response from them. And then hmm. one, one hot luck, I guess that was twenty hot luck 2019, pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabriel came down for the event. We went running. We chatted. We hung out. And he called Mickey, who is the co-founder, Mickey and Steve, Mickey Bass and Steve Palmer, the co-founders, uh, Ben's friends in Charleston. He called Mickey and said, hey, this is, this is your Austin. Austin's your next city. This is your guy. Um, and Austin's kind of a no-brainer because of, of the nightlife here and, and the restaurant yeah. how quickly was growing uh, and the pretty young age of the, of the city. Um, and within a couple weeks, Steve Palmer came down. Mickey was unavailable, unfortunately. Steve Palmer and, and the opening crew came down. Chef Gabe came. And we had dinner here. We, we ran our first meeting with with their, um, their leadership. And I took over. Wow. And that is four years ago at this point and we have remained the austin chapter here at the clubhouse um every monday at 11 a.m central we meet we also have an online meeting which happened after post you know during the Mm -hmm. during Mm -hmm. pandemic online meetings became a thing um and then i'm also the i'm also on the executive board for ben's friends so i get to help kind of steer you know steer the direction of the organization now, which again is a nonprofit organization that has big national presence. Uh, we are now doing events at, you know, the tech, uh, national restaurant association events, mm. hot luck at field guide at Southern smoke. And we're starting to at food and wine festivals. Um, so we're really starting to kind of infiltrate the whole scene, um, through this like power of people, just being involved in it and engaging in it and then spreading the word. So I'm also the national, um, national chair for Saturdays. So now where there was one meeting available once a week in your city, whatever city that may be only in uh, settings, yeah. now there are multiple meetings available daily, um, that you can access by, by the computer and by zoom. That's by zoom. incredible. It is incredible. And, you know, Ben's Friends is a network of uh, sober food and beverage professionals. It's, it's not a program of recovery. It's not rehab. It's 
You know, you you don't come to bench friends to, to, to save your life, but you come to bench friends to see how other people do it, and then hopefully get get some ideas of how you can do it yourself and find a support system, get some phone numbers, uh, create a network, create a community of people who have the same. Which is so important, especially if you travel or go to eat or you're in another city. It's good just to know that, like, if you're feeling that pull or you're feeling like that you need some support to be like, instead of just hitting up a chef to go and like eat at and get crushed at a dinner or something like that. It's like, hey, I can we meet up for a coffee? Like, I I need to see a face right now. Yes. Um, Speaking of that run with Gabe, was that the start of the run club? Was that? Was that sort of like the catalyst or had it, it, it happened before? We had, we had already been running for a bit. I'm trying to think of timeline. It had to have been right around the same time because mm-hmm. we were coming up on our fourth anniversary. You know, it may have been, we may not have been official as yes. a run yeah, that's what it was, uh, because that was a that would have been in March of 19. And we didn't really become official as a run club until July. Um, and so that hop. Yep, for sure. That's, like May, that, that's Mayus Memorial Day of 19. Exactly. And so we didn't we we had just opened. We opened April um, and the restaurant was very new. And when, when Steve and the crew came down and we yeah, within the first few months of being open, we were bench friends chapter. So. Um, it definitely had impact. Absolutely. Um, it absolutely had impact. And I, I, I know that when some people saw Gabe and I run, uh, Gabe and I running together, they were curious. and wanted to run too. So yeah, I, 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 I remember, I mean, Instagram has definitely been helpful because I see all these chefs running and getting up together and you're like, what is that? And it, you know, it's, there's something about it. Like there's no equipment, you know, you guys take a very, uh, I don't want to say easy route, but like a manageable route. Um, And it's just, there's just something about it that is more than just like, all right, we're getting up and doing Pilates or we're doing, you know, weightlifting or something like that. Um, But what do you, what do you love about running um, and this inclusive practice of it? Cause you've mentioned like people who've never run before are now like putting up a mile or two, which is pretty incredible. Uh-huh. And people have run a mile or two are now doing half marathons. And people who are doing half marathons, I've got a couple guys who are, who are doing 100 milers. Like, it's, you, did, it's wild. you did marathons. I yeah, mean, marath- I ultra, ultra marathons. Oh, you're nuts. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, it goes to another level. Well, there, look, it's all restaurant hospitality professionals, right? However, I mean, chefs are fucking crazy, right? We, we're oh. obsessive. That's why I love them. Dive in. (laughs) If if you're a chef with most likely, of course, not going to make a blanket statement here, but if you're a chef with any kind of success, you're probably a little obsessive and a little Mm. bit zeroed in on pushing harder and more forward, right? Because it's a very competitive business. Um, And to last, you have to have you have to have a little bit stamina. Yeah, and be a little nuts. A little, yeah. a little, a little just like, yeah. yeah, I'll run 26 miles. I'll run, I'll do 50, I'll do like a 50 mile yeah, 50K run. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, whatever that is. So, um, but look, beyond that, we wanted to be inclusive. We wanted to be able to meet you wherever you are on your fitness journey. So I mm. don't, there was for a while, there was this, I, I believe a misconception that we were much more fit than we actually are. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But we, I mean, we've gotten to be in pretty, pretty, pretty great shape and we, we run a lot for me. You know, when I, when I quit drinking, um, 
and it was a choice I made to do. However, there was definitely some uh, some external factors that helped me make that decision, mm-hmm. um, legal, legally and familial <laughs> and saving yeah. face, all of that. Right? You can Google them. It's out there. You can yeah, Google it. It's yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can see the story. Um, I needed something because mm. addiction is obsessive by nature. It is something that was at that time and still, I believe, is in my DNA and my personality. Um, and running for me was not only did it did the movement satisfy that need. I was also not working for a bit. Um, so I was, I am incredibly antsy, um, incredibly mm-hmm. energetic. I'm an incredibly energetic and antsy person. Um, so that, that movement not only satisfied something really necess- necessary that for, for me in my life, but it, it gave me a chance to still a lot of the noise that's in my brain and in my heart. <laughs> um, it, it was, a, there was a Zen aspect to it where I was alone. I was running. I was, I, I didn't have my email in front of me. I didn't, I wasn't, there were tickets printing out in front of me. And it allowed me to think about other things and it, it became somewhat meditative. Uh, now meditation for me is very different, but at that time I had no, I, I, I didn't know what meditation Baby steps. was. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Into so, it. yeah. So yeah. And I, it's, it did save my life. I mean, I was 300, I was 285 pounds. Um, and within a year, Again, probably not the healthiest way, but again, there's that obsession again. Within a year, I'd lost I'd lost a hundred pounds, and that wow. was yeah. I mean, you you knew me when you knew I, me. You've known me all along this journey. So I, I've, you, I've yes, I've known you for a long time. Yeah. yeah, you've seen the worst of it and the the, the most physically unhealthy part of it. And um, it's you know when I was in rehab, which again I was I have privilege and the fact that I was able to go to a great yeah. rehab. And I appreciate that, you know, um, but I, uh, I was told that, you know, between I was type two diabetic, I was, you know, uh, severe sleep apnea, uh, I was smoking a pack and a half cigarettes a day. I was probably drinking about a gallon of diet Coke a day. I was, mm-hmm. uh, I was uh, terribly overweight. Um, my, the doctor was like, you're going to lose a hand, a foot, an eye, you could die. You're not going to see your grandkids. You know, I have two daughters. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, he was, he was being, there was some, you know, there was, it was a little bit hyperbolic, but at the same time, I mean, he was an MD. He's like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not lying to you. These things can't all happen. And you are on that route. You have to make a change. So I did. And running, I mean, I honestly say, and I say it to this day, and it's part of like my run club story and run club journey is that running saved my life straight up. I mean, I it's, it. I mean, between the run club between Ben's friends, between creating community. I mean, outside of your life, like how many lives have been saved and changed through this? Like, does this, does what you're doing, and I know it's been going on for a few years, just feel like the start of of helping people and changing and saying like, you can get into this world if you want to and have healthy balance, but it's been enough time for you to see people actually be like, oh, you were like we've seen them all. Like I, I, I mean, I've been around enough people in the yep. F and B and entertainment world where I was like, "You're gonna, you might die." Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if I got that call about you. Yep. Um, so what have you seen as changes in people? Absolutely. I have seen a. I, you know, you said something earlier about you know sometimes just talking about po- the possibility of going. Yeah. Makes a change, change in someone. I've yeah. seen that. I've seen other and. Uh, 
other restaurant professionals and, you know, majority of people that I connect with are chefs, uh, but other chefs um, in my community who have, are going the route I was going currently, I'm mm. a little older. Um, so, you know, in their thirties and, and, and putting on the weight and still going out and getting a little bit more um, unhealthy and putting, again, putting on weight and I have com- fueled by or backed and validated by run club and, and Ben's friends, et cetera. And a lot of, a lot of great press and recognition for it. I feel a little bit more confident talking to other people yeah. like, and, and then showing that I was physically able to do it. And I'm still a chef and I'm still running, running a restaurant. Running a, yeah, running a successful restaurant. Like, and being a dad and being a kid, and, like, and, like having and, a full and getting life. Married, getting married tomorrow. Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like I have, I have a little more confidence to go up to someone and say, hey, like, let's talk about your health. Like, I'm a resource. And if it's, you're not feeling it, great. But if you are, and I've seen people who don't want to engage, but start doing some other shit. And I'm like, I am here for that, too. Like, you don't have to engage with my thing it's our yeah. thing, but like, you don't have to come run. Like it, running doesn't sound cool to you or you don't maybe like this group of people for some reason, or you're intimidated or you, or you're not intimidated. You're like, I have seen the change. I have seen people pick up bicycles. I have seen people start soccer teams. I have, there's a, there's a movement. There's a shift. Whatever it and is. Do it. Just like get and out do there. Do it all. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah, it yeah. all. And I, yeah. and I, and I think that I can, you know, it was hard for me to say this previously, but I think it's important for me and for the organization that I do, I really feel like we have shown the light on that a, a bit, at least in our community. Um, and I feel really proud of that. I mean, and as you should, and I definitely have seen it now, obviously, you know, I, I know you and so I follow you on Instagram, so I've seen it, but you start to see it percolate um, out from a point of success. Now, look, if you were doing this and the restaurant tanked and people were following along, like it's hard to, it's hard to make their argument, but it's, you go like, look, it's, it's working. It's like, it's working yeah. and it can work for you and you'll feel better. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, I've seen you, I've been out with you. Like we've, 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 we've had some times together and I myself at some point was just like, you got to get on the bike. Like you got to get out there and be healthier because this restaurant will, this like lifestyle will, if not kill you, catch up to you. Like, yeah. and, and to see what you're doing and, and giving the hope and changing the conversation, it's, it's, it's incredible to see. Um, yeah. Now, before we go, the most yes. important thing uh, for what people are also wanting to hear is your running soundtrack. Because I know that you love music. You and I have bonded over it. And, um, you know, it's like I myself have found that whenever I work out is that the I'm not a quiet worker. Like, I need a podcast. I need music. I'm... I don't know how people talk to each other because I know that when I personally am sweating, I'm also, you know, out of breath. But what are you rocking? What are you listening to? Do you guys have any, like, run club playlists? You know, what do you recommend? Go to Spotify. There's a couple of run club playlists. Uh, I also have a playlist that I did in collaboration with Revival Motorcycles that's on my Spotify. Uh, My current go-to, I have a – uh, from the 3M Half Marathon I did a couple months ago, I have a playlist that I've been adding to. It's called 2023 3M on 20233M on my Spotify, which is open to the public. And on that is – this is my go-to list right now if, if I'm listening to music. Some things on it, um, you know, I've got everything from Refused, 
mm-hmm. to Nine Inch Nails, mm-hmm. to Beyonce, mm-hmm. to to the Fontaines DC, to oh yeah, to Oza Motley. I've the Tune Yards. I've got a giant dog on there. I've got Florence and Machine. I've also got LCD Sound System. I've got yeah. Aesop Rock and Freestyle Fellowship and Gang of Four. And I mean, I've got Jay Cole. I've got some newer music, Jay Cole and, and Belly. I've got some old cut chemists. I've got some old uh, UGK on there because I'm from Houston. And Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, House I- for Life. And, um, you know, I've got some old like big boy and outcast on there um as well as you know you can't for you can't leave out you know i don't know aesop rock i mean i've already said aesop rock you can't there's just there's so there's so much and i love you're right i love music so much um it is such a big part of my life has always been i've i have been deep into multiple genre scenes through not only skateboarding for from working yeah. in restaurants um and now like doing all of that with running is, is, is so great. And that, you know, what that, that Ludolana Del Rey album is fucking great. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's a good time. It's a, and listen, like you get busier and obviously you get less time to listen to music. And a lot of the times when I'm crushing either songs that I love or, or checking out something new, it's, it's when I exercise. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll do an extra five. Cause I want to hear yeah. this song. You know, oh, or, for sure. or, or, or it's like, I need to get up that hill a little bit. So maybe it is K-pop, you know, like maybe it is the stuff that that's a little bit like more poppy and obvious that just, that I love that's so private. And I was yeah. like, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm playing it. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's just my time, but I love it. it. You know, and I have two daughters and a, and a fiance, soon to be wife. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of Taylor Swift. Hey man. And Look, you know, I don't, I don't really have it on my play. I don't really have it on my playlist because I get plenty of it in the world. But you know, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Look, if the if, if the bear taught us anything this season, it was that Taylor Swift has a place in time. Well, Philip, I, I can't thank you enough, especially making time the day before you get married. Congratulations! Um, if people want to check out the restaurant, Ben's friends, the run club, like where can they go? Uh, how, you know, if they want to get, I believe you're still, you have some Cumber room club hats as well. Like if they want to get a little oh, swag. We got singlets, we got hats, we got stickers, <laughs> we, have sock, we have socks, we have great socks. We've been really, I've been really blessed and fortunate to collaborate with some really great companies because of the visibility of the run club and the kind of newer genre. Yeah. Yeah. Too. So I've had some, some really cool stuff uh, that we sell. Uh, Commodore Run Club has a website. I have a website, Philip Spear, 1L2Es. Um, through that website, you can find the links to everything, including my personal Instagram to Commodore, Commodore Run Club, Ben's Friends. It's all linked. It's all through there. All the stories are on there. There's a lot of press on there if you want to read a little bit deeper. So I would start at my website and then just kind of follow from there. If you're not going, if you're not one of these people that goes and goes to websites and search engines, just go to Instagram and put in Commodore Run Club and Philip Spear and those will all pop up. Amazing. And you're going to send me, I'll get the uh, link to some of the playlists. We'll put those in the episode description if if people want to link. Uh, Wilson, thank you so much. So good to see you. Congratulations again. And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll have you back on to chat and, and you know and just see how far how far this grows and how far you run. Um, we have another song from the archives and then a live performance here on Heritage Radio Network.
My name is Brandon Boyd, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Welcome back, Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. In studio today live, we have Bernadette. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Want to tell people who you are, who's on acoustic guitar, and who's on keys? Um, <laughs> I'm Ricky. I'm on guitar. I'm Bianca. I'm on keys. Welcome. So nice Thank to you. have you in here. Proper first. I would say this is like we're in winter now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, yeah. Oh, definitely. I feel like we didn't get, I had like a nice fall jacket. I didn't get to really wear it. We're just now. Mm-hmm. Game on. Winter. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a cardigan right now. That, that's, yeah. that's just, you know. Just a proper indie rock kind of <laughs> like cardigan ready to yeah. kind of smooth into the, the winter. Exactly. Brought out the beanie today. I know. First time. I definitely thought we had more time. Yeah, right? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, fall was too uh, minimal. Well, you know, we just flew by. <laughs> Never heard of season. It's kind of minimal. Minimal. Yes. <laughs> minimal. Um, May 29, 2016 was your first Instagram post. That's true. What was the conception of the band, and, and how did you begin to say, we're in a band? Did you have songs? Did you say we were going to make a music project together? Where did that, it start? It started, um, Bianca and I had just, we were, were friends, and uh, we were hanging out, and we were just talking, we were having, literally having like oysters one day, and we were talking about uh, how she always, you know, she's like, I've never been in a band, but I love music, and I'd love to be in a band. I was like, well, let's start a band, you know, mm-hmm. like, let's do so it. we just and did so, it. That was it, and so that, that yeah. post that you just discussed, that was literally the first time, that was it, that was the conception of the band right there. Was it, did you... Um have it over oysters like did you put the post up and get the banner thing or was there a, a difference between oysters band name decision that, that, no no that, that that picture was taken at moment at, and that was at the moment that we it was like okay we have a band name now we're, we're in a band this is our band we started a band and for not being a bit did you play instruments before or is it just like no instruments no nothing you're just like i just want to be in a band um so ricky's played instruments i've like you know, messed around with guitar, but nothing like really. I've never played keys before, so. I mean, it's very like 1970s through 1990s way to like, I want to be in a band, so we're in yeah. a band. <laughs> so what was the evolution? I know that you talked about that. It wasn't really until uh, you became a trio that you became a band, but like, what was that year from the first Instagram post, <laughs> getting the name? What was that first year like? Um, Bianca and I got together and we kind of wrote some things and then our lives just, you know, we were busy with life, you know, and uh, it wasn't until probably about a year after we conceived the band that we were like, well, actually, I I was offered to to play a solo show and then I was like, you know what, this would be a perfect opportunity to turn the solo show into the first Bernadette show. So we corralled some friends and uh, we made it happen. And where were the songs in that process? And what was it? What made it on the EP? Were those song, EP were those songs back then, or was it just like just certain songs? You're just playing the time just to say we're going to play a show and this is what we have. Uh, the EP, the, those those songs were all pretty much written within a, a month period of each other. It was really kind of because of that show that those songs even came about. So we I wrote the songs and then we went into the studio about a month and a half after that first show, and that that's when we recorded the EP. And for you, uh, for dabbling in guitar and mm-hmm. never playing keys, how is the evolution? Like, what is the mindset of saying, I want to be in a band, and then the actual work that it takes to get to that place? Well, I definitely. <laughs> both both uh, public and <laughs> private. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't know what I was getting into. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was funny. Like, the first time in the studio, everyone was like, You are having the most 
bizarre experience like in the studio for the first time and like didn't even play a show yet that's like unheard of so you know it was definitely interesting and was the uh to learn all these instruments self-taught is it uh how are you doing it (laughs) or how have you done it just do it (laughs) i don't know (laughs) not much thought yeah just kind of one i mean no it's definitely like you know it takes hard work and practice um but yeah you know you just do it can we hear a song sure yeah Yeah. what are you gonna play for us first um i guess we'll start with the first song on the ep it's called forever an instance great here we go with bernadette live on snacky tunes In the comfort of masochistic empathy I lay myself at your horror There's no further I could burn without a break I'll bleed my innocence in your honor When the light fades and the silence and your boredom lays down all its clutter, you can bury me gently underneath the lily white chains of your armor, and you are. My helpless lust for you And you are Derail My helpless lust for you Owning Decadence Forever and instance In Isolation, isolation, isolation Before you 
before we get to the Shadow Paint EP, I, one more follow-up question. Yeah. What was it about being in a band that you wanted without really having much experience in playing instruments? Or what was it that spoke or called to you? I mean, I've always loved music. I always loved the idea of being on stage and I mean Ricky always tells me I'm like a natural born performer and I feel <laughs> like I kind of knew that before so it was just something I needed to like actually do she's got to take those dance moves not natural <laughs> dance moves to the stage you know? <laughs> and it just called to you yeah it's really interesting when those things speak to you and you don't have a really a good reason or mm-hmm. you can't put your finger on it right. you can't trace it back you're just like it's just inside yeah. Just part of you. Exactly. And then when you did your first show, how did it feel? I was terrified. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was one of the scariest slash coolest moments of my life. Like, a bunch of friends came and supported me. And after we played, like, everyone in the band just gave me a big hug. And it was a moment that I'll never forget. That's incredible. Yeah. When you were doing the the EP, it, it was more than just the three of you. It was a huge yeah. group of friends. How mm-hmm. did it come together, and, and what was the recording process? Um, well, so yeah, when we when we had that that initial show, um, we kind of talked to a couple friends about playing um, with us. And so when we went to the studio, I was like, "Well, you guys already know the songs. Do you guys just want to come into the studio with us?" And everyone was like, "Yeah, let's do this." So um, we recorded in Greenpoint at uh, my buddy Jeff, his uh, studio, Studio G, and. I mean, yeah, it was really just like five friends just hanging out and playing music. I mean, that's it's as simple as, as that, as, you know. And was it something that was constructed and every take was the same, or was it just versions of the song and then you pick the one that you love the most? What was the what was the paring down process? There, there is definitely a solidified, you know, kind of vision on on, on what the songs were. I think uh, Molly, Molly, out of everyone, is the more kind of, she'll, no two take is the same kind of thing for her. So, I mean, there's the rough sketch, but she she definitely improvises a lot uh, and still does live. And what did the members contribute in that moment of time that are no longer part of the band part that, of the or part of the live experience the live I mean experience. there there are there there's I think the most noticeable thing is there's there's no second guitarist you know live uh Bianca's actually adopted some of the the, the parts though on on keys so mm-hmm. uh there's that and uh there's also no bass uh live we we have, we have two well we have a key bass that we play for some songs um but uh yeah so that's kind of yeah and, what, and the decision process to take it back down to a trio, was it a tough conversation? Did you have to say, thanks for coming to the studio, get out of the band, <laughs> no, hit the road? Or no. how did it get from, from a larger group ensemble down to the three of you? Uh, there was, I mean, you know, everyone, it was, obli- it was a combination of like obligations and just kind of other things. You know, like uh, our buddy Gordy played bass with us and he's in another band and they're pretty active. And so it was just, you know, it was just kind of natural. He was like, all right, well, thanks for, you know, thanks for helping with this thing, you know, but... And we're all still good buddies, so it's, you know... For the shows that are at home in Brooklyn, will they ever come and join you on stage, or is it just permanent trio status? I think right now... Uh, I mean, we've talked about it, actually, because it would be fun. Actually, uh, Gordy and I were talking about this a, a little bit ago. Like, it would be fun. He'd be like, I'd love to... Just, yeah, exactly, exactly what you just said, just jump on stage and play a few songs with you. And so, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Can we hear another song? Sure, yeah. What are you going to play for us? Uh, we're going to play the first single from the thing. Uh, yeah, it's called uh, Six Strands. <clears throat> be a different version of it, but it'll be the same, you know, same hit song that, you know, everyone's dancing. <laughs> 
You just got back from your first tour in August. Same terror as your first show or old pro by this time? I mean, more excitement, you know, because you're like going on tour. We went to a bunch of places I've never been before. Um, And, you know, in the beginning, it's like, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But then by the end of the tour, it seemed like so natural, like just playing every day. You know, it was like second nature. So it was a really good experience. Uh any experience that burst the bubble and remove some of the glamour from the <laughs> our near death experience? Do you want to yeah. take oh. this one, Ricky? Oh, please. <laughs> um, so there was a bed in the back of the van uh, we were driving, and so uh, Bianca and Molly were taking a little nap in the back, and we we just left Detroit, 
and we're heading down the highway, you know, doing 7580 or whatever, and uh, all of a sudden, the hood of the van just pops up and slams up against the windshield, so it's completely black. Cracks and the windshield. Cracks the windshield. We're rear going. Rear mirror falls all the way into the back. Yeah, it's wait. <laughs> what, who falls all the way? The, 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 the rear. Okay. Yeah, the rear yeah. mirror. Yeah. So <laughs> it's and you know I'm in the middle lane on the highway, so I had to navigate, you know, get off the road while you know, not really having too much vision, uh, which was it's pretty terrifying. But so you just pull over. Have two shots of whiskey, <laughs> pace around the van for forty-five minutes, and yeah. then get back on the road. Essentially, we yeah, r- roughly, roughly, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> or a good cry, okay. <laughs> or a ten. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then, what were the cities that you hit? Um, so we started in Detroit, went down to Athens, Georgia, uh, Savannah. Where else? Um, Nashville. Nashville. Uh, Wil- we did a lot of Wilmington, the Carolinas. Yeah, oh, Raleigh. Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Favorite favorite venue and favorite food while on the road? Ooh. Ooh. Favorite venue was definitely in Charleston. See, I... Tin Roof. I did like Tin Roof a lot, but I also dug in Athens, the, the place we That played. place was cool, yeah. yeah. The sound, that was my yeah. favorite sound, actually. And best food, best bite on the road? Hmm. Oh, that's tough. Ooh, cookout. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you... you Oh my gosh. Have you ever it's, been a cookout? So it's like this fast food spot, and um, I think they're mainly in the Carolinas. I think there's some in Virginia too, but it was the best. It was so good. What type of barbecue or fast yeah, food? Yeah, um, yeah. I ha- I got like this pulled pork sandwich, and they have a quesadilla as a side. Oh, amazing! <laughs> yeah. Just in case you're not going to get full from the pulled pork, right. we're going to need some <laughs> cheese to come up the works. Exactly. Uh, so EP out September. Yeah. First tour done. Fall or winter is officially here. Yeah. We're out of the minimal season. That's <laughs> out of the minimal What does the coming months look like for Bernadette? Um, so we're gonna we're we're playing a show uh, next or we're we're in the works of we're gonna play a show next month. Uh, and then we're gonna kinda take it easy for the rest of the year. But we are talking we're trying to organize we wanna uh, do a music video for one of the songs on the EP. Music. Um, one of the songs is called I Know I. Um, I think we're just gonna we, we we've been writing, we have a bunch of new songs. I think I, we're pretty much just focusing on just more project-based stuff before, and then hit, start doing the live shows again. I mean, winter is upon us, and for anyone that is a New Yorker in the winter, this is the time that you're creative. Right. Because you just bunker down, and it's time to you are yeah, just hibernating, and you know that as soon as it turns nice, you're not getting anything new done or any work done, so this <laughs> is like four or five months of pure creativity and yeah. just hard work just to coast on the rest of the... The rest of the warm months. It's true. Uh, well, we want to make sure we have time for one more song. Sure. Where can people find you, hear the EP, follow you on Instagram, look at that very famous Instagram the, first post? That's right. Look that, exactly. The fabled first post. Um, uh, yeah. You can find us on Instagram. Uh, Bernadette. Well, the handle is Bernadette underscore is underscore a underscore band. So Bernadette is a band. Um, you can find us on all the Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, everything. Just search for Bernadette and Shadow Paint is the name of the EP. And uh, yeah, that's it's 
great. That's it. Well, also thank you to Dan of the Sporkful for speaking with us early in the episode, and thank you, Bernadette, for coming. Thanks for having, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. We will be back next week with an all new episode of Snacky Tunes. What are you gonna take us out with? We're gonna take you out with actually a brand new song. <gasps> so this is a debut. This is a Snack, yeah. Snacky Tune exclusive. We love it's these. It's true. It's oh, true. Oh, they're it our favorite. What's it called? Uh, Morocco. Morocco. Well, yeah. thanks for listening. <clears throat> we'll be back next week here on Snacky Tunes. Tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.
Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.